Good morning. It's a little video journal of a recent trip to Haiti. We talked about it a little bit more last Thursday, but I wanted to present this to all of you and let you guys know our involvement in Haiti and what that's going to look like. Oh, we're not going to be in 1 Corinthians this morning. Yeah, I had another slide, but I didn't get it to you. I'll explain that later. Um, back to Haiti. Uh, there are a number of things that we are looking to involve ourselves with in, in Haiti, and I want to present these things to you so that you can keep it in mind how you might want to be involved, whether it would be to be actually a person who goes, to be involved financially, prayerfully, of course. Uh, one of the things we did is we went to a nursing school. There is a school that uh, trains uh, young men and women to be nurses. They go to school for three years and they are sent back to their hometown where they serve for two years and then they actually get their degree so that they can move forward into the field of nursing. Uh, we'd like to supply those who are graduating that nursing school with some material stethoscope and other things that nurses might need. Those tongue depressors maybe. Uh, that's all I can think of when I think of nurses. Ah. Um, gloves. Anyway, we are going to look into having some actual nurses go down to the school and do a clinic for a few days and help them just in their experience, share with them. And so if you have a degree in nursing or would like to be involved, that is something you might be interested in. We'll give you more information as that goes along. They also do a tree planting event once a year where we're thinking of taking a group to go along and actually plant trees alongside of the, the high school kids that are there uh, with them. So that's another possibility, as well as contribute money to develop a well water system for one of the schools and also latrines for the schools. And so those are areas that we are going to look towards helping in Haiti in the future. I share those with you so you can be mindful that if you don't have a passport and you would like to go, you need to get a passport. Otherwise, you can't go. Um, and there will be other things. If you do want to go, you'll have to get like shots and things like that. But we can explain those things ahead of time for you. Uh, dates will be announced, but I wanted to throw this out to you. This is our stepping forward towards the work in Haiti. Um, I went to try and get some information, coming back to tell you this information so that we can be a part of it. Uh, the change for change jar is going to be in the back, and we're going to keep that throughout the year, and we'll empty it as it gets filled up because it gets really heavy. We're going to get a bigger jar, but there's just no way. That thing gets too heavy. In the month or so that we uh, had that jar out, we collected $326 for that jar, and that was just over a month. So we, that money, again, will be used towards maybe the well, the latrine, whatever it is. We'll keep you posted on those things. So... That's it for uh, Haiti. Now, we're going to be starting a new series in 1 John. So if you have your Bible, open it to 1 John. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and I'll explain what's happening with 1 Corinthians. We're going to do 1 Corinthians or continue 1 Corinthians on Thursday night. So if you wanted to find out how the book ends, you have to come now on Thursday night. I felt... I. I wanted to step into something new on Sunday mornings. There was a number of reasons I, I felt pulled in this direction. And I was thinking, oh, I can't do this. I can't just change in the middle. But then I thought, why not? And so I did. 
And so that's what happened. And so that's why no one, I guess, I forgot to tell everyone. Um, but that's what we're doing today is we're in 1 John. And we're going to do a series through 1 John. And I'm calling it the tests of life. And it should be about the next seven weeks or so. And in 1 John, basically, John gives three tests. He gives this theological test, this understanding about God, whether we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. There is a moral test that he presents to us to see whether we are living lives that are lives of righteousness. And then there's this social test that he gives, whether we have love for one another and these tests are to see if the life of God is actually in us. Have you ever tried to describe something to someone that they haven't experienced and, and trying to let them know? We do this a lot with food. If you go to some places and someone you, asks you, hey, I want you to try this. I want you to try alligator. Or I want you to try rattlesnake. Or I want you to try frog legs. You know, and you, you're sitting there and before you eat this unusual food that no one really eats except for when they have tourists that come down and they want to experiment with them. <laughs> you know, you go to someone, do you eat alligator? No, I just, you know, it's unique here. So I thought I'd have you try it, you know. But before they, you dive into this, you, you want to know what is it? You know, is it going to taste like sweet potatoes? Is it going to taste like corn? And, and it seems that no matter where you go and whatever new meat you try, ultimately, it always tastes like chicken. Doesn't matter if it's rattlesnake, it doesn't matter if it's frog legs, it tastes like chicken. It's the universal generic food that it tastes like. And it's because we don't have the words to really describe it. I, because if I told you it tasted like rattlesnake, you probably wouldn't eat it. But if I give you something that you can understand, maybe you'll give it a try. And how much more difficult is it to try and describe things of importance? And that's what we see John trying to do. And we're going to actually start at the back of the book. Turn to chapter 5 in 1 John. Start at verse 13. As John explains why he has written all these previous chapters, he says, I write these things to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know He hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have what we asked of Him. Now, he talks about two different subjects here. And it's kind of interesting because the one he talks about is eternal life. And we think of eternal life as, okay, after I die, then this other life comes into play and it goes on. And we focus on the word eternal because we don't really understand eternal. And so it's this thought we have, kind of a romantic thought, after I die, this life will continue and will go on. But then the second portion, the, the verses 14 and 15, they almost seem detached from the first part. The first part, he's talking about this eternal life, this idea of something 
that goes on. And then the second part talks about something that's tangible here and now, that if we ask anything according to his will and he hears us, we know we have the petitions that we've asked for him. And there seems to be this tension between the two. One of them is something that we can look at and kind of think about in the distance, but the other one kind of smacks us in the face and says, this is what you should be experiencing now. You should have confidence about this eternal life right here, right now with these things. The reality of this life should have tangible evidences here and now. And that kind of is an awkward thing because it pushes us to a place that asks the question, are you experiencing these things? And you see, what I think happens is when we hear the word eternal life, our focus again goes to the word eternal. And I think what John is trying to bring about isn't the focus on eternal, but is the focus on the quality or the word life. And that this life brings this confidence that there is a reality of God that establishes itself in our daily lives. That it is something that presses into our lives and has an effect on who we are, on what we are. I mean, the first part sounds like those who believe in Christ, they can benefit on this but because they can have this confidence. But my experience has been that both people who have faith in Christ and people who don't have faith in Christ struggle through life. They go through hardships. They go through illnesses. They go through loss of jobs, financial hardship. Even right now, Mary is at the hospital with her mom because her mom is not doing well. I get emails constantly asking for prayer for people, for their children who are not doing well, who have been injured constantly. And it's heartbreaking. And it's been my experience that all these things take place. But Paul is writing this, all that has taken place previously, to help us have something more in this life. In fact, now as we go back to the beginning, turn to chapter 1. As Paul presents this, and I want to challenge you as we spend the next seven weeks in first john it's not a long book it's only five chapters i want to challenge us all to read this book once a week as we're going through this so the theme of this book becomes something very important to us this is one of my favorite epistles because it really delves into who we are supposed to be as followers of christ and it is again a test to see if the life of God is within us. And in chapter 1, verse 1, Paul writes, or John writes, sorry, I'm still in Corinthians. John writes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. Say that again. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also 
may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Let's pray together. Father, as we look at these scriptures, I ask that you would bring clarity, that you would bring understanding, that we would recognize that this doesn't just taste like chicken, that this is unique. This is something different. And that we would have an understanding of what this life is. That you would give us minds that could wrap around this idea that there is a life that is not common, a life that is unique, a life that is hidden in you. And may we see if that life is within us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you imagine trying to describe a sunset to someone who's blind? Or, or music to someone who is deaf? How would you go about it? And even worse, if they thought they could see, but they were blind, or, or they thought they knew what it was to hear music, but they were deaf. Well, John here is trying to present life to people who think they have life, but John is saying, you don't. You, you don't have this life. How can I explain this to you? How can I describe to you this life as you think you have life, but it's not really life? And as he starts going through this, and he takes us into his own experience, and it's not a, a theological experience. He, he's not trying to give us theological debates that we can present to people. This isn't some kind of structure that we have plotted out, here are the three steps to know. It is an experience that he has had. It's not a philosophy. He's just explaining what he has experienced. And as he talks about it, he talks in verse 2, he says, the life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life. It's almost as if he is moving past the person of Jesus. It's almost like the person of Jesus is incidental to the life that Jesus was. He's not talking just about the man. He is talking about the life that was the man. And he's trying to get this understanding of there is a life that is in Jesus that is different, that is unique special. It's a life that goes before and beyond what our experience has been. He isn't focusing either on the word eternal, because we think it's sequential. Uh, it's all about when you die, then you live again. He's not talking about it. He's talking about the uniqueness of this life, because when you have this life, it just lasts forever. It's not that you have life, then you die, then you get this other life. It is this life 
invades your person and lasts forever. This life is unique. It's different. It's special. It's not about being right or wrong or having the argument. It's about this life being made known. And I, I love this about John because he doesn't debate. He's not trying to give some apologetical arguments. He's just telling you, I have found life. I thought I knew life before, but no, I didn't know. And then I experienced it. I've touched, I've handled, I've seen with my own eyes the life. And again, he separates this idea of the life from actually the person because he's wanting you to see and understand what this is about, that he's talking about something unique, something special, something that he hasn't experienced before, something that he didn't know. And, and this isn't new to John. This is something he actually describes in the Gospel of John. And so I'm going to have you turn over there now to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. where in the Gospel, John is giving the account of who Jesus is, and he talks about the same thing here. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. How do you explain to someone who thinks they have life that it's not really life? That they're dead? And that what they're actually maybe afraid of and what resistant to is actually what is really life? You know, growing up, as a kid, you, you, you kind of gravitate to certain foods. Hamburgers, you know, is a staple for, I think, most kids. I, I just, that's what I ate. If I could have a choice, it would be hamburgers. In fact, we had family, once a week, we, the family would go out and you got to choose your own restaurant. You know, and they'd pick out some, you know, seafood place and they'd pick out this, but I always chose Bob's Big Boy because I like the hamburgers as a cheap meal. And even if we'd go to these fancy places, I'd ask, do you have hamburgers? Or I like convenient, like SpaghettiOs, Chef Boyardee, because the commercials. And so you pour out this soupy spaghetti stuff. Now, I'm Italian, and I was eating SpaghettiOs. And, and I can't tell you exactly when it happened. There was one Christmas dinner, my, my grandmother used to make this Christmas feast. It was an Italian tradition. There were seven types of fish that were there. There was anchovy pasta. There was this soup called chiapino that had crab, clams, mussels. It had all this food in it. And for years, I was just like, oh, I don't want to eat that. Do we have hamburgers? And my family were like, what's wrong with you? They tolerated me. And one day, I don't know, there was just this ex idea of I'm going to experiment. I'm going to try this other food. 
And I know I'd sampled it before, but all of a sudden it was like my taste buds came of age. And all of a sudden I ate this food and it was like, hallelujah. There is this epiphany where all of a sudden I was having just this party celebration in my mouth. And I was like, oh my goodness, how long has this been here? And I've been unaware and I could never eat SpaghettiOs again because I have tasted the holy grail of anchovy pasta. And to try to explain to someone, that's not spaghetti. I don't know what that is, but that's not the real thing. It wasn't until I experienced this wealth of flavor that I realized that what I had called food before was just substance. And I think what a lot of people do is they are existing and they call it life. And John is saying, no, it is not really life. It is not the real deal. There is something far more, something far deeper. You're not fully human. You're not fully alive. You don't recognize that there is something more. And see, Jesus didn't come to make bad people better. He came to make dead people alive. And John is trying to shake us and wake us up to this life. The understanding that this life came into the world. And it was the light of humanity. It was there. And, and this isn't new. This isn't something that's just a New Testament thought. This is actually something that you find in the very beginning. And so I'm going to take you back even further to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, and verse 7, we see that this has been the, the theme throughout all of Scripture. This has been the underlying message all along. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became what? A living being. The animals were alive, but God didn't breathe into them. There was life all around, but this life was unique. And you see, we know this story and how it goes along that God gives this instruction that you can eat anything, but don't eat of this tree, this fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because if you eat of that, you will die. And man goes ahead and we know this story that serpent tempts Eve, she takes it, she eats, she gives to her husband, he eats. And I remember for years thinking, wait a second, they didn't die. They ate of it, but they didn't die. They lived for hundreds of years still. And I wonder if maybe Adam and Eve also thought, well, hey, I ate it, but I'm still alive. But they were unaware 
that something happened, that their connection to actual life was severed and they did die. And from their perspective or maybe our perspective, we're looking at them and they're saying, well, they're still alive. They're still going on. They're walking. They're talking. They're breathing. But God's perspective, he's saying, you don't realize it, but you have now died. You are death warmed over. It is not the same. It is not the same. You are now dead. And the whole story of Scripture is to bring them back to this journey of being made alive, of this life now becoming an indwelling within us and moving from death to life. You see, it's hard for us to maybe embrace and realize, but apart from a relationship with God, you're not really alive. Again, you can walk, you can talk, you can experience, but you're not connected to life. You think it's life. You're blind, you don't see. You, you think you can see. You're deaf, you, you think you can hear, but there is a symphony going on that you are unaware of. There is life taking place that you are not connected to, and so you exist and you go through all the motions and John is trying to say, I've experienced life. What's interesting, too, about John, as he talks about Jesus, he, he doesn't talk about the miracles. If I were to describe Jesus, if I was one of the disciples, and I was going to say, hey, I've met Jesus, I, I would probably start with the miracles. I've met this guy who walked on water. I saw him touch people, bring them back to life who were dead. I saw him feed thousands with just some loaves and fishes. But John is like, that, that's not even the issue. That's not even important. That's not what it's about. What it was about was the life. The life that he brought, the life that he was. That's the story. That's the heartbeat. That's what this is about. Oh, the miracles, they are cool. But no, it's the life that he was overwhelmed with. It is this idea of life that captured him that he is trying to express. The idea of life. And again, we think of, oh yeah, eternal life. You, you live, you die, and then you get life again. We think it's sequential. But John is saying, no, it's not sequential. It's something that changes you. It's something that transforms you. It's something that starts in you and it lasts forever. There's no live, then die, then live again. There is you are dead and then you can be alive. And he paints this picture for us to try and understand. And this is something that I think people fail to see. It's, it's not about following the teaches, teachings of Jesus over the teachings of Buddha. It's not following the, the teachings of Jesus over any other religious teachings. 
Because you can follow the teachings of Jesus, but if you do not have the life of God within you, you will live a frustrated life. If you do not have the life of God in you, you can become very discouraged. In fact, you can even become very hostile towards the idea of Jesus and Christianity because it's frustrating you. It's not about following the steps of this person. It's about the person himself. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. It is about me and my life being in you. And so the stories of Scripture, the stories of Abraham, of David, of Solomon, of the New Testament saints, it's not about following these people and what they did and and getting to understand and insights from them. It is about the living God coming into time and space and changing the lives of these people in a way that would not have changed if the life and presence of God was not there with them at that time. It is the story of God in mankind transforming people and making them alive. It's not about following a teaching. It's not about doing a certain thing. It's about the life of God being poured into people, changing people. It is the story of God in his life and what it does in the lives of human beings, how it changes us. Because you'll be very frustrated if you try and just live the teachings of Jesus without the life of God within you. It's not about our religion over another religion. It's about a life that comes from God, that is hidden in God. You know, a lot of people try and supplement their lives with Jesus. You know, well, I'm going to live my life and I'll add a little Jesus into it. But it's still my life and he has just got a small cameo role in your play. And we try and add a little bit of Jesus into what we call our lives. And we realize that it doesn't work. Because it's not about adding a little Jesus. It's about connecting to life. Who is Jesus? And that's something that we need to understand. I had heard that there was a study that was done. That some doctors, when they told people that unless they change their life and behavior, that they would die. That they needed to make changes in their diet or in their smoking habits or whatever it was, that when doctors actually told their patients, unless you make these changes, you will die. Guess what percentage changed? You think 50%? One out of seven. One out of seven actually made the change, even though they were told, if you don't change, you will die. So what's that, about 15%? Now, that's amazing to me, just to the thought of that, that, you know, if you don't stop this behavior, if you don't start this exercise program, if you don't do this, you will die. And the six out of seven people walk out of the office and say, ah, oh, well, 
Or maybe they think, no, I don't think he's right. Or maybe they go out and they think, I don't want to die, but I just don't want to change. I like that fatty food. And I wonder the same question asked to us here. If God would ask and say, unless you make a change, you're dead. Unless you make this change to to move into life, you're dead. I wonder how many of us, if the ratio is the same, what if it's just one in seven? We'll actually hear the message that there is a life-hidden God that we need to embrace and allow it to embrace us so that it can become a part of our lives. If only one in seven of us will say, yes. And if God thought it was sufficient enough that just one in seven would say yes, that he would actually send his son to be brutalized for that one. For that person who would make the change. And you see, what I am doing is begging you to be the one who will see that God is saying, unless you make this change, you're dead. That you would make the realization and connection that, yeah, I've been existing, but there is a life that I want to have that is hidden in God through the person of Jesus. And that's the story of Jesus. That's why he was born of a virgin. That's why he lived a sinless life. That's why he went to the cross to die for the sins of humanity and was resurrected as proof and evidence of God's pleasure with him. It was so that we could recognize that in him was life. And it is the light of humanity. And that God is reaching out through him trying to wake us up and say, this is life. This is what you need. This is what I need. This is where we need to be. You know, I don't have all the answers for you in the situations that you guys are going through. Sometimes I get phone calls and I'm at a loss for words. I get emails or text messages about the situations that you're in and I just, all I can do is weep. I can't fix it. I don't have all the answers to the problems of life and I go through similar problems, struggles, hardships as you do. None of us are immune to that. None of us are exempt from these things. And I've had some really bad days. How about you? I've had some days where I'm hanging on to my faith just by a thread. Thinking, God, really? Does it have to be this difficult? And what 
keeps me, what holds me, is that I've experienced life. And like Peter who said, Lord, where else can we go? When Jesus asked, are you going to leave? He says, where can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. My life resonates and says, I can't leave. There is no life anywhere else. I know what I was before. And I know what has happened to me. And though I'm still a work in progress, I've experienced life. And it's changed me forever. And my desire is that life would change you as well. That you would recognize that when you come to him and allow him to come into you, that he will give you this life. That we will actually come to life. I want to read chapter 1, those first verses again. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Let's pray. Father, it is so hard for us to recognize at times that there is an experience of life that is more than what we know. Our souls long for it, we yearn for it, we seek it throughout our lives. So many times it's right before us, but we are just blind to it. We are deaf to it, Lord. We do not understand. And we think it's something that we have to do. It's some ritual that we have to follow. It's some routine that we have to involve ourselves within. It's a religion that we have to join. It's a church we have to go to. When all along it is your son who we have to believe in. That the life is in him. And that if we will allow him to come into us, then you will allow us to come to life. And Father, my, my prayer is that there would be the one in seven who would see and hear the verdict and the diagnosis of their condition and say, I want to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to embrace life that is found alone in Jesus. 
that I see, that I understand, that I hear your voice speaking to the depth of my soul, and I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to walk out and say, well, I would like to, but I just don't want to change. That there would be a desire to say, I want to live. I'm tired of existing. I'm tired of searching. I'm tired of being a walking dead person. I want to experience the life that you alone give. And that they would ask you to give this life to them. I pray, Father, that you would do what only you can do. What you did to John, what you've done to me, what you've done to millions of people throughout the centuries. That you've made us alive. I thought I knew what life was before. I was dead. Bring your life to us. I want to challenge you this morning, if you are here and you have not entered into this life, but you would like to, all you need to do is ask. All you need to do is open your heart and say, Jesus, if you're alive, I want you. I want your life within me. If you desire that, he desires to give it to you. And if you would like prayer for that, or if you'd like to talk to me more about that, please come and talk to me. This is important. This is a matter of life and death. And it's a battle. And God is saying, I will not give up without a battle. And he's battling for you. And Jesus has battled for you. God loves you that much. So my desire is that you would step into that life and recognize it for yourself. Let's stand together. Junior is going to close us in another song. And I challenge you for the next six weeks to read 1 John as we go through and see the tests of life if they are within us. God bless you guys. Have a great day.